Greetings, educators, and welcome to The Wellness Space, a weekly podcast specifically designed to meet the social, emotional, and mental health needs of educators. I am your host, Erica Dotson-Hooper, manager of the Teaching and Learning Center for the Harris County Department of Education in Houston, Texas. Each Friday, a new episode will be shared that promises to inform, inspire, and empower. Thanks for listening. As you know, this Saturday, we are so excited to be hosting the 2021 A Day of Educational Innovation featuring Ron Clark. It is going to be a virtual event, but just as exciting and fun and informative as last year. If you have not yet registered, we encourage you to do so. There are 24 hours left for you to do this. Go to bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y backslash D-E-I-F-R-C. I'll place this information in the show notes as well. You do not want to miss any portion of this day. We have a power-packed lineup of amazing presenters, including Ron himself. So we want to make sure that you take advantage of this phenomenal opportunity to learn more about innovative practices and how to bring about your creative side to best connect with students and families during this time. I am so excited to share my conversation today with Lauren Woolley. Lauren is an elementary school language arts teacher who aims to spread kindness and laughter in her classroom every day. She's been teaching for five years and has also served as a speech and debate coach at a local high school for the past nine years. She believes in using new and innovative teaching styles in her classroom, including the use of flexible seating and various forms of technology. She began her journey on TikTok as a way to engage with students and break down the student-teacher barrier. But what began as a joke turned into something much bigger. In just one year on the app, Lauren has amassed over 3.7 million followers, created a YouTube channel with over 20,000 subscribers, designed and launched merchandise, and built up a following on Instagram of over 42,000 people. She continually engages her audience with with her My Favorite Answers, Commenting Series, Teacher-Student Comedy Sketches, Day in the Life Vlogs, and Live Stream Advice Sessions. I'm elated also that she will be with us this Saturday to talk about her journey and innovative ways that students and teachers can connect virtually. I hope you enjoy our conversation and gain some insight from it. Greetings, Lauren, and welcome to the wellness space. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited that you have agreed to be with us this year for a day of educational innovation and that you are speaking with me this morning. So I appreciate your time and your commitment to ensuring that students have wonderful connections and meaningful connections with their teachers. Thanks. I'm really excited to be here and to share what I know. Yes. So before we get started, I like to always ask my guests, how are you doing and what are you doing to care for yourself during this very difficult time? Um, I'm doing well. Um, it's a it's a bit of a crazy time right now in my life just because um, not only obviously am I teaching 
during a pandemic, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my husband and I are building a house. So mm-hmm. we are living at my, my mother's house right now. Um, so mm-hmm. it's a little bit close quarters, but um, yeah. we are making it and we will be fine. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, just a little crazy right now, but we're good. Well, congratulations to you and your husband. That's an awesome accomplishment, but I can only imagine what it's like being in close quarters and uh, dealing with the weight of this pandemic. Oh, yes. Yes. But we'll be we'll be good. Yes. So as we get started, I would love to know what actually brought you to the field of education. Um. So I had a struggle between what I wanted to go into um, in my senior year of high school. I was between some pretty different fields of study, obviously education being one. And then, um, I, I wanted to go into law and mm-hmm. I was talking with my counselors back and forth about, um, you know, which would be a better fit for me and why I should choose that over the other. And they told me to go and job shadow one of my previous teachers. And mm. I went back and visited my previous kindergarten teacher who was just like the most memorable person. She always made learning fun. And, you know, as that being your first experience of going to school, she made an impact on how I perceived school from then on. So Mm -hmm. going back to her classroom for an entire day and getting to witness what she does on a daily basis and see it through a teacher's lenses was kind of eye-opening to me. And it just immediately got me excited for that career choice and Mm -hmm. um, seeing that I'm just, you know, I'm a bubbly person to begin with. So like, Mm -hmm. it just makes sense. (laughs) But yeah, um, yeah, getting to go back and watch one of my teachers and um, just having amazing teachers while I was in the school system um, really kind of impacted my decision to become a teacher. And Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, that's what made up my mind. Yeah, it's awesome that you had wonderful experiences with teachers and that you were able to kind of reach back and stay connected with those teachers that meant so much to you. I'm sure that meant a lot to them as well. Oh, yeah. I I mean, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I was voted teacher's pet my senior year of high school. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? It fits. So it's fine. Yeah. But <laughs> I always had good relationships with my teachers. I was always like, I mean, I was a goody two shoes, so I never got in trouble or anything, but like uh-huh. my, my teachers always just, I just got along with them and I always wanted to, you know, have them like me. And mm-hmm. I, um, like my one high school English teacher that actually got me into like the speech team in high school. Um, I'm still friends with her to this day. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, that's just always been the case for me. And I know it's not the same way for other people. So I feel very blessed that that was my experience. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you entered the role and became a teacher, what would you say was one of your biggest surprises? Wow. Um, <laughs> I, I would say there were a couple big surprises. So um, I started teaching in an inner city school district and I mm-hmm. went to school in um, a public school setting, but not um, in a setting like that. So for me, it was um, a shocker as to how inner city schools run versus, Mm -hmm. um, how my school was run. And so Mm -hmm. having to learn those things 
was um, a bit of a struggle for me. And then one of the other shockers was that they don't teach you about all of the bureaucracy that goes on behind the scenes in education um, in college. You don't learn about like all the different types of um, testing that you have to do and all the different pieces of data that you have to collect and spreadsheets and Mm -hmm. all those things like um, IEP meetings and all of that. Like they don't teach you that. And Mm -hmm. at least not at the school I went to, it wasn't like something that, you know, they stressed. So having to, it's a lot of, you know, hands-on learning once you become a teacher. And, um, you know, the, one of the most important things I did was I clung to my veteran teacher, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. uh, like Lou, I was not, um, afraid to ask questions and I wasn't afraid to admit when I didn't know how to do something. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's really important. So that was my biggest surprise. Yeah, you know, and I think sometimes new teachers can feel a little overwhelmed in the role because there's so many things to learn and to do. And if you don't have people around you to support you, that you can kind of nudge from time to time to get support or encouragement, it could be a difficult, lonely road to go. Why do you think so many new teachers kind of shelter off to themselves and don't reach out for that support? Um... I think it's because at least how I felt um, a little bit of the time was that you feel like you have something to prove almost. And um, a lot of people, when you're a new teacher, they don't take you seriously and they don't look at you like a professional, even though you are, even though you hold the same um, license as anyone else in that school, they, they Mm kind of, I don't know, they just kind of look at you like, well, I've been here for 20 years, so I know more than you. And the thing is that, new teachers, although we have a lot to learn, new teachers have a lot to offer. And we have that, the education that has changed, um, more so than a veteran teacher might have. So although a veteran teacher might have, you know, tips and tricks and, um, the experience, we have Mm -hmm. the new learning styles and we have the new technology and all of those things that, you know, if we just worked together, everyone would benefit from. So yeah, I think that's one of the things that was frustrating to me was, uh, and it still is, you know, to, to an extent is, um, having to feel like I have to prove myself to anyone who's been teaching longer than I have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what would you say were some of your struggles, um, those first couple of years? Um, well, definitely time management, and behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so teaching mm-hmm. inner city, obviously, you know, there's that stereotype of having a lot of behavior issues and having mm-hmm. um, students that come from a lot of um, traumatic experiences and from terrible mm-hmm. home lives. And, you know, for the most part, um, a lot of my students were very, very sweet and they were mm-hmm. um, just adorable because I taught second grade when I first started. And Um, I, you know, I maybe had one student that had a lot of, um, trauma in his life and maybe needed some additional guidance and things like that. And Mm -hmm. so for me coming from a school that was not like that, um, when I was growing up, it it was, I didn't have that kind of background knowledge. And so Mm -hmm. I had a lot of learning to do in the ways of, um, behavior management and, um, different using different solutions to um the same problem because it doesn't always work Mm -hmm. the same with every student and 
Um, also taking others advice of not, you know, letting it get to you personally, because I'm a very, Mm -hmm. I'm a very emotional person. And for me, when I had a student that would, you know, be having an outburst or something like that, I would take it personally and, you know, Mm -hmm. think to myself, I'm, I'm not a good teacher. I'm failing this person and I'm not doing a good enough job or I'm not doing what I need to. And sometimes, sometimes it's not about you. It's, you know, this child needs love and this child needs your help and you need to, you know, separate your heart from your mind and think logically about what you can do about this situation and not make it worse. So that was something I struggled with. Um, And then a second struggle would have been my time management. And I'm not talking about like time management during the day um, in my schedule, but me separating work time from personal time. I probably was at work maybe 14, 15 hours a day, every single day. I would go to work at 730 and I wouldn't come home until maybe eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And Mm-hmm. I like was burnt out by the first month of school. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah. At the time, like I wasn't married at the time, but like we were dating and I would go over uh, my husband's house and we would start watching a movie and I just pass out. So, so tired. <laughs> so like <laughs> yeah. it was, it yeah. was affecting my life. It was affecting my emotional health and my mental health. And mm-hmm. I think that's really hard for new teachers because you feel like you have to get everything done like in one day, otherwise you're not doing a good job. And, um, Mm -hmm. I stopped doing that after like year two, I finally learned my lesson was like, you know, I'm not taking this home. It can wait till tomorrow. I'm not, you know, cause I think something Mm -hmm. that, you know, helped me to realize that, you know, I'm not doing a bad job. It's just, I'm being a normal person. Um, is, you know, if I was, if I wasn't around tomorrow, my school would not hesitate to replace me but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know I can't get back the time I'm wasting doing more and more and more work than spending with my family you know so Mm -hmm. that's definitely something I would say I struggled with was a work-life balance (laughs) the first couple years and I appreciate your transparency there because that is a struggle because most educators, they want to do the very best, you know, and they're constantly trying to find ways to improve mm-hmm. and, and make a difference and ensure that students get the concept. It, it's all encompassing. And if we're not careful, it could quickly overtake you, you know, uh, because it's a profession that you're giving of yourself so much. But if you're not pouring back into yourself or allowing your cup to be replenished and refueled, then you're going to end up on empty very quickly. Absolutely. So when you think about that time, what is one thing that you know now that you wish you knew then? Um, I think one thing that I know now I wish I would have known then is that I don't have to paint myself as, you know, a professional that can't have fun and can't be goofy and silly with my kids. And I think at that point, because I was trying to prove myself and because, you know, when you're young, you're so afraid that, you know, the kids aren't going to take you seriously either. And Mm -hmm. I think the thing is like kids can sense when you're putting on a show, like, and I mean, 
when you're mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trying to act tough and you're really not. <laughs> like kids can mm-hmm, totally sense mm-hmm. that. So my first mm-hmm. couple of years teaching, like I would not, I would not loosen up because I was so afraid that, you know, they were going to run right over me and eat me alive. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, as long as you set boundaries and as long as you are um, consistent with what you're putting forth as your expectations in your classroom, then you can mm-hmm. have fun with your kids and you can be silly and goofy. And mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not that serious. <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people mm-hmm. get that in their heads. And I know I was one of them. I was like, I have to be older than I am. I have to pretend like I'm older than mm-hmm. I am. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that hurt me the first couple of years because I missed out on having fun with my kids in ways that I could have been. And I, I didn't. So I think, yeah. you know, that's one thing that really TikTok has helped me to kind of gain back. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. So what, what motivated you to start using social media to connect? Um, <laughs> it's a funny story, actually. So I was <laughs> never one to be um, big on social media. I didn't post on Instagram. Like I had social media, but never used it. And um, just, mm-hmm. I kept everything private because, you know, when you're in college, they tell you like, oh, if you have a social media, make sure you don't post anything on it. That's inappropriate. Make sure that you have everything private, right. make sure that you have, um, all of your, none of your parents and none of your, um, principals or other teachers follow you. Don't let anybody follow you. <laughs> and it's like, it's like mm-hmm. a keep your entire life private thing. And, Mm-hmm. I, I understand that to an extent, like, yeah, obviously I'm not going to post inappropriate things where people can see it. Um, I'm not going to paint yeah. myself as a person that I'm not, but mm-hmm. I, um, thought that I couldn't have social media and be a teacher at the same time. So last year, yeah. mm-hmm. um, when we were still in school, my students, like from the beginning of the year, my fifth graders had been asking me if I knew what TikTok was and different trends that were on TikTok, like the whole Visco girl thing that was going on. And like, they would come up to me on the playground and go like, oh, Mrs. Wooly hit the whoa. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. And <laughs> so um, I would just kind of like not listen to them and not pay attention. And then um, I had one student last year that was like testing everyone's patience. And constantly you know being a disruption in my co-teacher's class and just not wanting to listen to anybody until one day he mentioned to me that he had gained 8,000 followers on TikTok and um, I just happened to be sitting with him at that time and he said he said that to me and I was like oh my gosh that's so many people like how did you get that many people to follow you that's awesome and so he was telling me like some of the videos that he makes and things like that. And I don't know what clicked in my head, but I was like, I bet you I could get more followers than you could by the end of the year. And <laughs> so um, it was like right before we got kicked out of school and it was we were in quarantine. Um, but huh? we decided to bet against each other and. So we left school, we were in quarantine and I started making videos and things like that. And, um, Mm -hmm. my students, I didn't tell my students at first, he was the only one that I kind of made the bet with. 
And um, the rest of my Mm -hmm. students just like slowly started finding me. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, word was spreading in my classroom, at least that I was on TikTok and I was making videos. But um, at the end of the year, we were obviously still virtual. And at our last Google meet, um, I announced to the rest of my kids that I had a TikTok. And by that point, uh, I think we started the bet in like February and then um, by that point, I had gained 16,000 followers and um, oh, wow. I won the bet. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, of course, but <laughs> I um, that's really why I started was because of a student. And it's so funny that, you know, we still reference it, my principal and I to this day. And she's like, look at what this kid has gotten you. You need to thank him. And I'm like, I yeah, <laughs> like it's all him. So, yeah, that's kind of how I got started. That's such an awesome story. I bet that kid feels very important and special. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, <laughs> sad thing is that he um, transferred schools this year, so he's not there anymore. But um, I'm like, I hope he's watching my videos because he would know that I've I've mentioned him a couple times and said like, you know, so and so. Um, obviously not yeah. using his name, but like I've you know would say, right, oh, well, this course. kid really started my career for me. So. <laughs> oh awesome that's such a wonderful story what gains have you seen inside the classroom and even outside the classroom with your students because of this social media connection I just see such a difference and it might you know I I think it's because of me just because I've loosened up um like I said before I felt like I had to act older than I was and I had to be like you know hardcore with these kids all the time so they would respect me and that's not the case. And so with my TikTok, um, just inside the classroom, kids are more excited to come to school. They want to be in my class. And um, like I do little things during my day just to make them laugh and just to make them um, have memorable experiences that, you know, hopefully they look back on and say, oh, hey, do you remember when Mrs. Wooly did this? Or do you remember when we had this Mm -hmm. party? Or do you remember this? Because as much as as teachers, academics are absolutely important and crucial, and that's why we go to school, but that's not mm-hmm. why kids go to school. Kids go to mm-hmm. school for experiences, and they right. are more invested in you when you are entertaining them and you are putting on a show for them. Mm-hmm. And my, just mm-hmm. myself personally in the classroom, I feel like I've had um, – like I've had higher attendance rates just because I have students that are excited to come to school. I mean, just with like my little mouse in the corner, corner gym, um, I hide him every morning and the kids walk in first thing in the morning, they're excited to look for corner gym. So like, it's just creating those little memorable experiences that um, students are excited for. And they're, they're more likely to do the hard work of school for me because they're invested in me and because I'm invested in them Mm -hmm. and um, Mm -hmm. they can recognize that. Um, I think it's also Mm -hmm. helped me to loosen up a little bit as far as like, you know, Mm -hmm. kids are kids. And I think sometimes we expect them Mm -hmm. to act like adults and they're not. And, um, you know, I've seen teachers like fly off the handle about something so small and, I'm like, that could have been mm-hmm. so avoided if you would have just 
talk to the kid Mm -hmm. instead of screaming at them. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I'm not Mm -hmm. guilty of that because I have been in the past. Obviously I, I totally transparent about how I've grown as a teacher and, um, yeah, you know, I think TikTok has helped me with that also. Um, and it's helped me to relate more with my kids because I know what they're talking about and I know what is Mm -hmm. popular right now and what's trending right now and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, they see me more on a personal level. Um, as far as outside the classroom, um, I've, and I didn't know this until actually a couple of weeks ago, one of my students mentioned that she goes home and her and her family watch my TikToks together. And they just sit oh, at home nice. like each night and watch whatever TikToks I made. And I like, I'm like, that's so special to me because, you know, I growing up, my family, we weren't really super close. So we didn't spend a ton of time together, but like, for me to mm-hmm. be able to be a part of a family's life where they're actually sitting down together and watching my videos to spend time together, mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. just like mind blowing to me. And I, I'm just mm-hmm. so grateful that I could, I can do that for families. And um, yeah, I just think overall it's just benefited me and my students so much. That's so amazing. And I've heard from teachers that really want to, build authentic connections through social media but oh my gosh I know (laughs) it is scary because (laughs) you know you see like I try to follow some basic rules of social media obviously because I'm a teacher and because Mm -hmm. my account is based on being a teacher I'm not going to be using any inappropriate sounds I'm not using any inappropriate Mm -hmm. concepts I'm not going to you know I, Mm -hmm. I understand there are teachers out there that are like well, we're real people too. And I get that. That's fine. If you want to have a personal account and do that and you be a real person and be an adult, that's fine. But like, if you want to start a social media account as a teacher, for me personally, I just don't want to put myself in that position where I'm going to, you know, ruffle feathers or I'm going to um, put something out there that is not kid friendly and is not, because that's who the majority of people are that are following me. It's children. So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. there's enough of the, the um, inappropriateness on the internet. If I can make one thing that's positive that I don't mind kids watching and, you know, is not, you know, I'm, I'm showing them that you can still be popular on the internet if that's what you want um, without, you know, mm-hmm. showing all the, your skin and dancing, you know, all these crazy pro- provocative, provocative dances and, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just think it is scary when you first put yourself out there because you're afraid yeah. of what people are going to say. But, um, mm-hmm. I'd say of, of any social media platform, TikTok is the most kind and positive. Um, I, I very, very mm-hmm. rarely get any kind of hate comments. Um, I don't, I don't think I really do. And I, I think I'm very blessed to, to not have that kind of environment in my comment section. Um, and mm-hmm. also, I mean, I, I'm not afraid to put myself out there and like look like a fool for my kids. Like I'm, I just don't get yeah. embarrassed by that. <laughs> like on the internet now if it was in person. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'd feel differently, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of things that, you know, as teachers, we worry about. 
being on social media. But um, I mean, if you follow those basic rules, you don't talk about, you know, specific students. I don't show my students faces. I know um, some teachers have permission to do that. And I think that's fine. Um, But just because I teach a younger (laughs) grade level, I just don't, I don't know. I just don't feel comfortable putting their faces on the internet for millions of people to see. Um, But I mean, it's different and it's going to be different for every school. And I think, you know, as long as you are open with your administration and that was the first thing I did when I um, first, when my account started getting bigger and bigger, I immediately called my principal. It was over the summer and I told her what was going on and just made sure she was okay with it. And um, she's very supportive and she um, kind of lets me do what I want. And um, yeah, she, I mean, she loves my social media and like, she thinks that it's, you know, how we're going to connect with students from now on. Um, uh-huh. But, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. just, just cover your bases is what I, what I would say to anyone with, willing uh-huh. to start a teacher social media account is just make sure that what you're posting is wholesome and make sure that um, what you're posting, you can, um, defend if somebody ever came at you and said, well, why did you post this? Um, so Mm -hmm. yeah, I understand Mm -hmm. it's scary, but it's once you get into it and if you follow those couple of rules, then you'll be fine. Yes. Fantastic. And so I think you're right. Um, the way we're connecting with students, has been forever changed because of the pandemic. And so when you think about what's possible as we continue to educate students virtually, what would you like to see in schools in the way of instructional design and connecting with students on a regular Um, basis? That's a really tough question because like, I feel like there's so many different things I would change. (laughs) Um, I mm-hmm. in my school we don't have a ton of technology like the kids have Chromebooks um mm-hmm. but we have like the old school projector like I don't have like a Promethean board or like anything cool like mm-hmm. that that I could use um mm-hmm. in tandem with social media um and also we have a lot of like websites that are blocked and things like that so I think as, as much as, you know, we don't want kids sitting on social media all day long, why can't we turn social media for our benefit? Why can't we use social media as a form of instruction? Um, I know um, at the school that I coach for, um, they just rolled out like a social media class where they're actually teaching high school students like how to utilize social media and how to... Um, because if you ask like any of my fifth graders, I guarantee you like half of them want to be YouTubers or something like that when they grow up, because it's just like, it's the, it's the <laughs> thing to be now. And, you know, I'm not going to tell them it's a bad yeah. career choice because you can, you know, be creative. You can uh, make your own work hours. You can yeah. make a decent living off of that. So, I mean, it still takes skill to do those things. So, um, I yeah. think in terms of embracing social media as a form of instruction, instead of thinking of it as the enemy, um, would greatly benefit schools mm. because students, not only do students want to learn things that they're interested in, but they're, they don't want to learn paper pencil all the time. And, you know, if, maybe if I could mm-hmm. make an assignment where 
um, okay, I have, maybe I have a classroom TikTok account and it's private and only my students can join it. Mm -hmm. And um, one of their assignments is to post, you know, one video describing character traits from a book that we read. Maybe I could use it in that way. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many creative things that we can Mm -hmm. do with social media that um, I just think it's the time to do it. Like virtual learning is already a thing. Um, Why can't we use Mm -hmm. the virtual resources that we have even when we return back to the classroom? And do you think that students are open and excited and ready for Um, this shift shift in terms of using social media um absolutely I think if they like I can't tell you how many times a day my kids ask me Mm -hmm. if we can make TikToks or watch TikToks and I I mean obviously during the school day I'm like (laughs) no we gotta wait until recess like but um if I could you know say yes to that and have it be something educational they would be all for it like they love doing stuff like that and Um, I mean, a lot of my students already have YouTube channels, like they have little gaming channels or like some of the boys do. And um, I mean, if we're utilizing something in school that they already do as a hobby at home, it's just going to make them more interested in the academic aspect of it. So I think that Mm -hmm. students have been ready for it. And I think us as adults need to, you know, take a second and think okay is it going to be a little bit more work on our part yeah but are we going to see benefits from it absolutely so let's talk a little about your district where you are and and how has a COVID impacted the way you all teach and educate students and how has teaching changed um, on your campus so it's changed so much from the beginning of the year to now um At the start of the year, we started in um, like two separate groups. Um, We had a group A, a group B, and a hybrid group um, or a virtual group. I'm sorry. So there were students that were only 100% remote. And then we had students that would come um, two days a week and the other two days they were remote. And then we'd have the other group come on the days that um, group A was remote. So it was like this big confusing mess. (laughs) And then... Um, after, Uh you know, the first couple weeks of school, we went to five days a week and, um, we still had the option for students to teach or to learn remotely. And, um, my administration actually, um, you know, listened to us and we were like, listen, we can't teach in person five days a week and teach online five days a week. It's just not, there's not enough time in the day. So they built in Mm -hmm. um, an instructional time for remote. Um, So we would get like someone to come in and sub for our class for 45 minutes a day. And we could, you know, use that for remote Mm -hmm. planning or to do Google meets with our remote students. Um, And then we also, once a week got half a day of planning time um, for, you know, whatever we needed it for. So that was really nice at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the year. Um, and then just recently, um, because our numbers have gone back up, I think we're at like 98% return to face to face. Um, we only have at least in fifth grade, my number, my school is very, very small. We have maybe 600 kids in the entire district, but, um, in the fifth grade, we have maybe four students that are remote at this point. Um, so because the numbers were so low, Mm -hmm. they decided to take away our remote planning time 
in general and assign um, a teacher mm-hmm. to teach. Like there's one teacher teaching um, kindergarten, first and second grade remote students. And then there's one teaching third through fifth grade students. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer on us to teach mm-hmm. the remote students. Um, but I do still provide the lesson plans and like any activities that I'm doing in class, I'll give to my teacher and she'll, you know, adapt them however she has to. But, um, the one thing that we've Mm -hmm. noticed just from, you know, kids being home all last year, um, at the end of the year and then through the summer is that our phonics is just, you know, tanked out. It's, it's atrocious. And, that was like our focus this year is mm-hmm. to figure out how we're going to, you know, fill in these gap skills in phonics and decoding words. Um, so we have been mm-hmm. looking at different um, word study programs and looking into our schedule for next year. Um, we actually changed the fifth grade schedule and the fourth grade schedule entirely because um, we use literacy collaborative at my school and, um, we switch half a day. So I have language arts, the first half, and then, um, my class, uh, gets taught by the math teacher for the second half. And then I teach her class. So I teach two blocks of language arts and there's just not enough time in the day to do literacy collaborative. So our school is actually changing to, Mm -hmm. um, fourth and fifth grade being self-contained next year. So I'll teach every subject to just one class and I'll kind of have a little bit more flexibility in my schedule. But, um, I think COVID has really opened our eyes to some of the glaring issues that are in the school that were there. And we just, you know, haven't been able to do anything about, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's nice to see that changes are being made and their, you know, money is being spent in the right place. And we're trying to, you know, confront these issues that we see so blatantly now and um Mm -hmm. you know I don't want to say COVID was a blessing in disguise because it wasn't but um you know if we have to Mm -hmm. take any positive from this very negative situation I'm glad that we were able to make changes to help our kids there's been so much learning and growth this year and in the past year that we just ended as we opened up this time of pandemic and and the way that we've adjusted our teaching. But when you think about your career as a whole, um, what what would you want your educational legacy to be? This is such a tough question because I, (laughs) I don't really know yet. Um, I I think my legacy, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, I, I love teaching in the classroom and I love being with the kids, but I think, you know, as I get more into social media and as I get more into um, like doing speaking engagements and things like that, I want to help other teachers have better relationships with their students and feel like um, they're able Mm -hmm. to impact their students more so because of their use of social media or because of um, their just relationship building in general. And I think, um, sometimes, well, a lot of the time our students come from home lives that are not great or families that don't care about them or parents that, you know, just are working so hard that they can't dedicate the time to spending with their student that they come to school craving that attention and craving that relationship with an adult. And, Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I hope if anything, Mm. as an educator that I can help other educators open their hearts to these kids and have better relationships with their students. And hopefully, you know, that's that trickle down effect of then those students have better lives because of it. And they have better relationships with adults because of it. And, you know, in general, just, I just want to help everybody have better relationships with one another and to understand each other better. So I want to thank you so much for your time and for all that you shared with us in this conversation. As we prepare to close, do you have any final advice for teachers Um, and principals? As for teachers, um, I would say my final advice would definitely be to not knock something before you try it. I mean, I was definitely one to think that way. Um, about social media. And I know that's like my whole thing is, you know, promoting TikTok and social media for, you know, building relationships. But I truly do mean it. And I, I, I have definitely seen the difference in my teaching this year, than my teaching in any previous year that I've taught, because of TikTok and because of Mm-hmm. Just the little things I do to make my kids smile and to try and make their lives just a little bit more fun. Um, and as for administrators, mm-hmm. um, I would say the same thing. Just don't knock something before you try it. Make sure that you support your teachers and mm-hmm. that you are behind them 100% and um, to allow change and to not be afraid of change and not be afraid to move into the future. It has been an absolute pleasure. And I'm just, I'm very excited to um, get to present this. Yes. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of the wellness space. Thank you so much for joining us today. Feel free to follow us on the web at www.hcde-texas.org. Also, Follow us on Twitter at HCDE underscore TLC. That's the Teaching and Learning Center for the Harris County Department of Education. And follow me and let me know how you enjoyed today's episode on Twitter at Erica D.H. That's Erica, E-R-R-I-C-A-D-H. Until next time, be well.